Hey, what's up, guys? Bill Brower here with FMBA Nation. Today, I wanted to talk to you and tell you a little bit about Anchor. It is the podcast platform that we use here for FMBA Nation, and it is probably the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. Secondly, there's tons of creation tools that you can use to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also help you with the distribution of your podcast so it can be heard on different types of platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need to make a podcast and more all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to www.anchor.fm to get started. You are listening to the FMBA Nation podcast series featuring the leaders, members, and supporters of the New Jersey State Firefighters Mutual Benevolent Association. Our mission is to inform, educate, protect the interests of the members of the FMBA, and keep safe the civilians in the communities we serve. You're listening to FMBA Nation. I'm your host, Bill Brower. We're continuing our behavioral health series today, and joining me is the treasurer of the New Jersey State FMBA and Critical Incident Stress Management Committee Chairman, Troy Powell. Uh, Troy is a career firefighter with the Montclair Fire Department. He's got 19 years of service there. And Troy, thank you for taking the time to speak about the CIS program and what the team does for the FMBA. Uh, first off, Troy, this is another service that the FMBA offers as a benefit to the members of the FMBA. And as you're very well aware of, uh, behavioral health is a growing concern in the fire service. So uh, first off, what is CISM? Sure, Bill. Uh, thanks for having me. So um, CISM, Critical Incident Stress Management. So Critical Incident Stress Management is basically uh, all-encompassing from one-on-ones to diffusings to debriefings to exercising to eating right these are all um, factors or components of a healthy behavioral health and healthy healthy mental state you mentioned cism we know the term cisd uh, what is the difference between cism and cisd sure yes yeah. cisd refers to critical incident stress debriefing it's one step in critical incident stress management. Um, Brian McGordy has been going out and doing debriefings for us for over 20 years. Last year, we trained an additional 28 members, 26 peers, and two mental health professionals. And um, the idea is to expand the critical incident stress management program. You mentioned diffusing and debriefing. Uh, what's the difference between the two? Sure. So. Um, the critical incident stress management is um, just like the fire service where you talk about a pre-plan and uh, you talk about size up. So it begins when the call comes in with, like we said, pre-plans and going to an alarm and something. So critical incident stress management um, talks about educating our members in the firehouse before a stressful incident. And then after the stressful incident, we have one-on-ones where we'll talk, obviously self-explanatory, we'll talk to people individually, um, diffusings, which occur bef before the members have a chance to go home, before they have a chance to sleep. 
So um, we would come to the firehouse and we would perform a diffusing, quick, 20 minutes, uh, not a lot of feedback coming from the members to the, com to the uh, team. It's more the team providing information and then debriefings, which would occur 24 to 72 hours after an incident where the team would go back and meet with those that were involved with the critical incident and discuss you know, what happened and where we go from here, the reaction to what happened and how we can overcome those reactions. Uh, Troy, you mentioned uh, that CISM is all-encompassing. We talked about the difference between diffusing and debriefing. Touch on a little bit about the one-on-ones that you mentioned, as well as the uh, healthy lifestyle changes and how those affect or how they are a part of the CISM uh, program. Okay, Bill. So one of the things that, that was um, educational for me was to learn that, like, we, like I mentioned before, you know, at, as, as a fireman, we, um, we pre-plan a building and we think about an alarm before we go. With critical incident stress management, you need to do the same things. You need to maintain a healthy lifestyle. It's going to reduce your chance of stress. You need to maintain healthy relationships. It gives you an outlet for that stress. We need to remove the stigma in the firehouse in terms of discussing our stress levels with people. So a stressful reaction is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. We get put into abnormal situations all the time. We have members that say, well, I've had this call before, but this time it affected me. Well, this time it was a little bit different. Maybe this time it happened to a child. Maybe this time um, something changed in your life before that call. So one of the things that, that um, the, the subject matter experts, the, the clinicians and the mental health professionals have taught us is that we really need to maintain a healthy lifestyle. We need to exercise. We need to eat right. We need to have good relationships. We need to sleep. So these things contribute to our mental health and to our overall health. And um, I mentioned stigma. So, you know, we at the firehouse, ah, you'll get over it. Don't worry about it. You know, what's shaking you up? We need to remove that because these are, again, normal reactions to an abnormal situation. And it, as long as we normalize that, people then will be accepting and then people will be willing to talk, to talk to me or you or to someone else at their firehouse. It doesn't have to be a member of the critical incident stress management team. We just happen to have the training to perform one-on-ones or diffusings or debriefings. But your friends, your family, your coworkers, these are people that you need to talk to and talk out these issues because one of the best things to do is to discuss your feelings and to discuss you know, why you're feeling a certain way and you'll find that it's normal. Someone else is feeling the same thing. They'll say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm getting that too. And then you'll realize that you know, this is, a, again, an abnormal situation that you're reacting normally to. Yeah, you know, we, we recently just had Kyle Hughes, the Northern District Vice President, on. Uh, he was telling us his story about substance abuse, and that seems to be a reoccurring theme here. You're talking about uh, normalization and communication and, and just the simple uh, act of talking to somebody about it seems to be the key to um, behavioral health and improving the mental uh, health awareness or the state of mental health in our firefighters. So I think that's a huge message to get across is uh, this communication part of it is to remove the stigma, maintain an open mind about it, and don't be afraid to talk about it. Um, when an incident occurs, give us kind of a timeline. Give us the process. How does the committee work? Uh, how do they respond to an incident? Talk, kind of talk about the timeline of events. Sure. So um, 
right now we are in the process of getting the Fire and Emails helpline relaunched. So that'll be a 1-800 number that'll be available shortly to everyone. Um, before that is available, the state FMBA office, 732-499-9250, my cell phone, 973-868-0527, and um, we will activate the team. So the if it's a one-on-one and you want to speak to one of us individually, then obviously we don't need to activate the team. But if you have a critical incident in your local or of... So when we started the team, we started it to help the FMBA locals. Mm-hmm. What we found is that um, some volunteer departments or career departments that aren't in the FMBA have needed critical incident stress management and have called us and we've responded. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say no to whoever we can help. Okay. Um, so we get a call. You have a call at your local and, uh, you know, maybe somebody's shaken up. Maybe you just want to prevent anybody from getting shaken up. So you give us a call. If it's um, something that we could come out right then and there and do a diffusing before you go home from your shift, it happens at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and we come at 7 o'clock at night and do a diffusing, and then, you know, the guys go home or they go to bed. If they're not getting relieved, then that's, you know, one one available uh, avenue. Another thing we would do is we would schedule the debriefing mm-hmm. for the next shift. Okay. So most of our locals work 24-72 or 24-48, and then in which case it happens on your, you know, your first shift, the next shift, we'll come in and, and we'll do that debriefing. If it's um, your volunteer company or you know somebody you know and you call us for them, then we'll schedule it for you know Wednesday night at seven or something to that effect at the at the hall or something. So um, the team will come out. It's a hundred percent confidential unless you tell us you're going to hurt yourself, and then we obviously have to you know or others then we have to you know advise you to seek mental health or we'll have mental health with us. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll have mental health with us. That's the goal, that's the perfect model, is to have a few peers with a mental health professional. It's peer-driven, mm-hmm. so you're going to get fire and EMS coming to fire and EMS and dispatchers. Um, and then um, the diffusing, 20 minutes, half hour max. Mm-hmm. Debriefing could take two hours, could take an hour and a half. Could depending take on the severity of the incident. On, yeah, and who mm-hmm. wants to talk and you know where we go mm-hmm. from there and then um usually we're available afterwards we hang out if people want to talk one-on-one or get our number or something to that effect mm-hmm. one of the things that i found is that as emergency service professionals we want to instantly solve the problem mm-hmm. so we want to go as soon as there's a call we get a call how soon can you be here and get this done well we can come and do a diffusing but we're not going to come and do a debriefing they need to it needs to sit in mm-hmm. it needs you know, 24 to 72 hours for that incident, to, for your body to react, for your cortisol levels to return to normal and, and these kind of things to happen um, before we'll come back. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things in terms of educating our members about the process is that it, 95% of the time we're going to come back on the next shift. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Uh, you talked about uh, this is a peer-driven program, peer-driven team. Uh, how does your position as a career firefighter uh, affect or influence your role on the CISM committee? How's that? Does that have a benefit to your role, and and how does it affect kind of your the way that you work within this uh, committee? So when um, doctors Mitchell and Everly invented this critical incident stress safer model mm-hmm. seven step process, um, they found that peer driven is the only way it works. Mm-hmm. So um, we come in as fire EMS dispatchers and speak to other fire EMS dispatchers. 
Um, I believe that it's obviously invaluable in, in terms of my you know, experience. I also, too, a lot of the members, myself included, have gone through a critical incident stress incident, have gone through a critical incident stress debriefing, and some of us have, have experienced PTSD from it. And that's one of the things about critical incident stress management is either shortening your exposure to PTSD or preventing PTSD. Um, these are things that are going to occur. I mean, myself, I can give you an example. I've had it twice where um, one time I didn't know what was going on and um, went to a debriefing and realized, oh, this is what's happening. And then more recently, I had a situation where I'm yelling at my dogs and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't me. What the heck? Why am I getting so upset with my dogs? And then I realized that, you know, I have PTSD from this. I'm, I'm going out there and I'm teaching our members about the signs and symptoms. And then clicked in my head, I'm experiencing the signs and symptoms. So I reached out to one of our mental health professionals and, um, you know, talked to, talk to her for a couple, you know, a couple times and uh, work through that and, mm -hmm. and realize that this is why I'm feeling a certain way. And this is what I can do to mitigate those symptoms. Yeah, we talked about um, the one of the key factors in this is communication, is removing the stigma, opening up, being able to communicate to somebody else about what's going on with you. And I personally feel that another key to this is, you know, being able to recognize the symptoms or what you're going through and recognize that this is related to uh, PTSD. It's related to uh, a critical incident that you came across. So I think that's huge. So I also believe I, I've gone to a couple additional classes where, so when we had the training here, it was all FMBA members. Mm -hmm. I've taken some additional classes where I've been in a room with fishing game people or people from the corporate world. And what I've found is that we in the fire service, EMS and fire more than dispatchers, because they're like police in terms of they're alone a lot. But with fire and EMS, we're together a lot. We sit in the day room together. We eat. We live together for 24 hours. EMS shorter shifts, but we live together. So I think we do a better job because we talk to each other. So if you and I work together and you come in tomorrow morning and you're not acting like yourself, I could be like, hey, what's going on? You're like, nothing. Okay. And then at lunchtime, you're still not acting like yourself. I'm like, hey, Billy, what's going on? Nothing. So now by dinner, if you still tell me nothing, I'm going to sit down and be like, look, something obvious is going on. And if we just had something recently, chances are I'm going to say to you, instead of saying, hey, what's going on? I'm going to say to you, hey, that was really messed up, that call we had the other day. you know. So as firefighters, we are in that situation. And mm -hmm. EMS also, we're in that situation where we talk to each other. We're like a family. The bro they use the term the brotherhood mm -hmm. for a reason because we live in a house together. So I think we do a fairly good job of communicating with each other and finding out what's wrong with each other. Um, I say fairly good job because we still have that stigma of, hey, what's wrong with your kid? Well, nothing's wrong with him. It, you know, he never saw a dead body before or he never you know, dealt with such a stressful situation before. So I think that's where we can continue to do a great job in the fire service is talk to each other, make sure everybody's okay, look out for each other. When you... When you're done with a call, you want to make sure the rig's good. My bottles are good. If I use the water can, i got to fill that. Well, the same thing with us. We want to make sure our minds are right. Talk to each other. Make sure everybody understands that these resources are available to you, that we have mental health available 24 hours a day. We have mental health that come to the office, the FMBA office, uh, twice a month that you can go and meet confidentially. Um, we have our team. We could do one-on-ones. 
So these are resources that are available to you to help you live a better life. So, uh, Troy, tell me a little bit about the, the results of this program, this committee. Have you seen a positive influence being out there and doing these diffusings and debriefings? Uh, are you able to see that this service is benefiting our members, and, and how is that working out for our guys and gals? So, yeah, one of the things that um, that we do, I mentioned before, it's confidential. Mm-hmm. So we don't discuss um, where we went or who we who we talked with, um, but we do discuss in terms of how many times we went out. Okay, so we went out X amount of times. So, um, you know, as the treasurer, um, 2 plus 2 equals 4. For me, it's a cost-benefit analysis with a lot of stuff that I do. Um, one of the things that we talked about when we relaunched or expanded this program was to put it under the FMBA foundation. Mm-hmm. So the FMBA foundation is, is paying for the training for our members. And um, so as a cost-benefit analysis, it's not costing an FMBA dues-paying member any dues money to run the Critical Incident Stress Management Program. We're running that through our foundation, through the 5K race, the Cooked and Uncorked, corporate golf outing, um, these are events that support the foundation, the trustee raffle. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that in terms of, you know, analytical cost benefit analysis, it's not costing us anything to do it mm-hmm. in terms of positive results. Um, I know myself, I, I've gotten phone calls saying from union members, from the union president, from the chief, whatever it may be on either side of the coin that thank you. My members, you know, my members said it was great for them or, We've gotten calls from individuals who've mm-hmm. sat through debriefings or diffusings, and they've said, thank you. We appreciate you coming out. So we're basically basing it on that. We're, we're basing it on positive feedback from people who've attended and the fact that we're getting more calls. So we feel like word of mouth is spreading, whether it be at state meetings or picnic or convention. So my local calls, they have a positive experience. They tell someone else, hey, we use them. It worked. So that's kind of what we're going to do is grassroots build on what we're doing. Uh, Troy, you mentioned, you just mentioned grassroots, this grassroots effort. Uh, what materials or how are you guys promoting this through the grass, grassroots effort? How are we getting this word out there? So right now we, um, we put stuff in the bulletin occasionally and uh, we have information. We created a flyer through the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation who provides us with our training and our certification. And um, we're distributing that flyer at state meetings, at conventions. We ask that locals post it in their firehouse and um, just advise their members that this is another resource that's there and this is something else that can help them in a positive way. Great. Troy, uh, I want to thank you again for the time that you're spending with us here, giving us this valuable information. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that may or may not know that this service even exists, so hopefully after listening to this, uh, they'll they'll gain that information, gain that knowledge, and uh, hopefully for their benefit, they never have to utilize it, but uh, know that it's there in the event that they have to uh, use these services. Go through with us again the contact information uh, that you gave earlier. How can a member uh, reach out to the Critical Incident Stress Management Team? Sure. You could call the office here at 732-499-9250 or my cell phone, 973-868-0527. Great. Thanks, Troy, again. I appreciate you spending the time with us.